step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. and thanks for listening tonight. My name, of course, is Sandman, and I'll be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. How's everyone doing tonight? Good, I hope. It's a wonderful, cool autumn evening here in the Nashville area tonight, and After the oppressive heat of the summer, it sure is nice to finally have some cooler weather. Now, if you don't live in the South, you don't have any idea what humidity is, and let me tell you, that's a good thing. The humidity here in the South makes the summer even more unbearable, and you combine that with global warming, yes, that is a thing, and you've got one long, hot, miserable summer ahead of you. Thank God we survived that and it's all gone and we're headed into the fall and cooler weather. But enough about that. You don't want a weather report, right? But you know, it's speaking of weather, it's finally spooky season and that means that not only is college football back on TV, but it also means that Halloween is just around the corner. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I always have Halloween-related episodes this time of year. However, this year, I've decided to do something a little different. Instead of the usual ghost vampires, werewolves, and Halloween history episodes that I usually do, I've decided to mix it up some and devote this month's episode to cryptids. And no, I'm not talking about Bigfoot and all of the other usual suspects that you're no doubt 
tired of hearing about by now. Instead, I'm going to be talking about some lesser-known creatures. In fact, I'm probably going to be telling you about a whole new type of cryptozoology that you never even heard of. Actually, it's not considered cryptozoology at all, come to think about it. It's, it's about the study of a completely new set of cryptids, and it's called cryptobotany. Never heard of it? Don't know what it is? Well, you will after listening to this episode of Parareality tonight. I'm going to do a two-parter. Because I usually do a two-parter or have some sort of Halloween-related theme in the month of October. So tonight, I'm going to talk about five cryptobotany creatures that you've probably never heard of that are plant-based. And then the next episode, I'm going to talk, I'm going to continue about cryptobotany creatures Except instead of plant-based, these are going to be more nature-based cryptids. So I know it sounds a little weird. Like I said, you probably never heard of it. You probably don't know what it is. But I'm going to clue you in. You'll have some info after you listen to these next two episodes of the podcast. So as always, to learn more, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. But first, it's my favorite part of the show. It is email time. Ooh, that's a little loud. I gotta cut that down. As I was saying, it's my, one of my favorite parts of the show. It is email time. And this email comes from listener of the show, Tony. And he is writing about um, the Dogman Conference report that Eric and I did. You know, uh, Eric and I went to uh, a Dogman Conference back during the summer a couple of months ago. And then we did a a two-parter podcast episode about it. I did one on uh, his podcast, uh, The World We Live In, and then we did one here on Parareality. And uh, this is Tony referring to the Dogman conference report that Eric and I did. He says, Dogmen are definitely natural. People are killing some type of wolf hybrids and calling it Dogman. Nope. Although Dogman can go on all fours, they are bipedal. As for shapeshifters, there may be many, and the skinwalkers may just be various humanoids with animal skins on their head. Well, thanks, Tony, for that email. I appreciate you uh, writing in. And I will agree with you. I think that dogmen are natural creatures, kind of akin to, you know, like Bigfoot. Bigfoot is a natural creature. It's not some sort of man-made creature. It's not something that a man morphs into a la a werewolf type creature, something like that. Nope, it is a natural creature born from nature, lives in nature, and I actually believe that that's what a dog man is. It's not a wolf man, it's something completely different, and uh, I'm glad that you are 
picking up on that, Tony. Thanks for your email. I really appreciate it. If you guys that are listening out there have anything you want to talk about here on Pair Reality, if you uh, have a comment about past episode that I've done, you've got a question about something, uh, you got an idea or a topic for an episode, or maybe you've had uh, an encounter of some sort and uh, you just want to tell your story, well, get in touch with me. It's really easy. Send me an email Sandman at parareality.com. That's Sandman at parareality.com. There are a lot of different ways you can get in touch with me, and I always go over those at the end of the podcast. So if you want to know more than just email, if you want to know the phone number or any of my social media accounts, just wait till the end of the podcast episode tonight, and I'll give them to you. But the quickest, easiest way is to email me, Sandman at parareality.com. Like I said, you got a question about... Uh, not only tonight's episode, but any other episode that I've done, send me an email. You got a comment about something? It could be good. It could be, hey, you suck, or you you have wrong information or whatever. Send me an email. You got a story you want to tell? Send me an email. Sandman at parareality.com. All right, now that I've answered that email read to you that email. Let's get on with the podcast and let's talk about crypto botany. But first, we have to talk about cryptozoology or cryptids for short. Now that's fascinated humankind for thousands of years beginning as early as the 15th century BCE. And while the media has glamorized the field of cryptozoology, growing images of wild-eyed monster hunters chasing anomalous beasts into the night, cryptozoology is really, when you break it down, it's just the study of unknown, legendary, or even extinct animals whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated. But reports of strange organisms don't stop at the animal variety. Enter cryptobotany, sometimes called cryptophytology. Cryptobotany is simply the study of plant cryptids. Just like its animal counterparts, this field of study focuses on the bizarre plants of folklore and legend that have evaded scientific confirmation. While there may not be any captivating security camera footage or blurry pictures of these elusive plants, some reports are surprisingly compelling. So tonight, I'm going to talk about my five cryptobiologic, cryptobotany. i got to think of a term for this. Uh, I'm going to talk about five cryptobotany plants that you probably never heard of. I know that uh, uh, when I first heard the term cryptobotany, I was like, what What the hell are you talking about? It intrigued me, and I began to look up a little stuff, and it's, that's how a lot of my uh, episodes go, is I hear something or see something on TV or somebody mentions something or whatever, and I'm like, really, I need to do, I need to look into this, and I start looking into it, and lo and behold, like, wow, there's a lot of info, or sometimes 
There's not a lot of info. And believe it or not, crypto botany is not something that's very popular. Go figure. So it, there's not a lot of info out there um, about this topic. And I don't know of anyone that's actually considers himself a crypto botanist. But anyway, we're going to talk about five of these creatures tonight. And these are all plant-based creatures. Now, the next episode, I'm going to talk about more natural creatures that have an affinity or that come from or are attached to nature in some sort of way. What I'm talking about tonight are more plants. And then what I'm going to be talking about on the next episode is going to be more of the creatures who are uh, more attached to nature, who um, maybe have, uh, maybe they they spring from, uh, think of Swamp Thing, for lack of a better term. There's more Swamp Thing type existence of these creatures. But tonight, we're going to talk about five plant type creatures. And the first one that I'm going to start off with is the Pilimara, which means tiger tree. Now, you got to go all the way back here to several years, to October the 23rd, 2007. There's a website called New End Press, and it's New I-N-D, not New E-N-D. It's New I-N-D, newendpress.com. It's a website. It's an English-language website that carries news from India. That's why it's IND, newindpress.com. carries news from India. Now, they posted a really bizarre story that came to them from a small village called Patrame, or Patram. You know how I am with uh, names. We're just going to say it's Patrame. Um this village is located about 30 clicks from the city of Ugapagandi, of, <laughs> of Benagandi, excuse me, in, uh, in the state of Karnataka, India. Now, within hours, the report had gone viral worldwide. So what was, what was the fuss about? What was going on? Well, New End Press reported that a tree near the village had been seen reaching down and lifting a cow up off of the ground, presumably in preparation to eat it. Now, the cow had been grazing in the forest that, that was butted up next uh, to the town itself, and when the tree grabbed it, the person that was watching the cow, watching all the animals, witnessed this, got scared, ran for help, and a band of villagers returned, led by the cow's owner, a man by the name of Anad Gauda. And this group of people saved the cow. They started uh, hitting at the branches of the tree until they went limp, and the cow was rescued. Now, the New End Press report then went on to say that a rainforest officer from that city of Upanagandi named Officer Rao had received a lot of complaints about cows coming home in the evenings missing their tails. 
and that the local name for this cow-eating plant was Pilimara, which translates to tiger tree. Although the field staff in the area said that they had come up with, uh, come across a similar tree in Petrame, which had been partially chopped down, it was also said that no official inquiry had been made into the matter because, well, no one asked for a report. And perhaps not surprisingly, within days of the release of the New End Press report, there was a team of reporters from a TV station that traveled out to the, the little town of Petrami to double-check the details of this strange story. So we're talking about this story broke on uh, October the 23rd of 2007. Well, on October 18th of that year, there was a woman who was walking through the forest between the village's structures to, to go to the shop around midday when she saw a tree lifting a struggling cow by its hindquarters, lifting it up off the ground. The animal's tail and his hind legs were tangled in the, the plant's limbs, and only its front legs were touching the ground. The cow was trying to pull itself away from the tree, and the tree was trying to pull the cow back towards in towards itself like it was you know, getting ready to eat it. So this woman ran and got her mother, and both women ran back, and there was this cow still struggling. So the mother's like, don't touch the tree. Don't do anything. We need to get help. And lo and behold, there's a local farmer who was working on a, on a fence, just happened to be nearby, and he saw what was going on. He came over to help, and luckily for him, he had, uh, it didn't say what he had, but it was some sort of edged weapon because he started to cut the branches off of the tree. But the thing still didn't release its grip on the cow until the whole tree itself was cut down. Now, the tree hadn't been a very big tree at all. It was rather small for a tree, so it didn't take them long to cut it down. So what you're hearing here is a little bit different than what the newinpress.com website reported. Now you have actual reporters on the ground there in the village who are getting the story from the people who witnessed it and who participated in this. Now, the reporters also interviewed the owner of the cow, that Ananda Gauda person, and he was, as they were interviewing him, he was applying some sort of salve to the cow's tail because he said the cow was in pain and this salve was supposed to calm the pain. Now, Gauda told them that trees that attack people and animals were known locally as Pilimara trees are tiger trees, and that they had been mentioned in some folk songs that he had heard as a child. And also, in the recent past, several of the villagers had said that their cows had come back home from grazing with weird and unexplained injuries. And now, because of this tiger tree, this Pilimara attacking this cow, now that... Uh, this has happened and has been witnessed. The villagers are assuming that the tree was the reason for this and that all the problems were over. 
Now, there was another villager who said that there had been another tree in the area of this same village about 30 years earlier, and it had uh, grabbed up a bull and was trying to eat it, and the villagers had to cut the branches off of the tree to save the animal. In this earlier incident, however, the tree that was involved had been a different species of tree. So the species of the tree doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to what is a pilimara. So in other words, there's not just one particular type tree that is a pilimara. A tree apparently can morph into a tiger tree. A normal tree can somehow mysteriously become a pilimara. So the species of the tree doesn't matter. So you never know if the tree you're standing by or the tree your cow is standing by is a pilimara. Now, it also was said that a pilimara could be climbed if the tree was pierced with a sickle first because the iron in the sickle had some sort of mysterious power over these carnivorous trees. So if you take a look back on it, it seems kind of clear that the first report by the New End Press website was kind of a, a, a garble of uh, the story of the earlier tree attack with combined with uh, Mr. Gauda's information about tiger trees, and they had kind of like meshed this story together. Now, clearly what's being described by the villagers, whether it's real or not, is a belief that some sort of malevolent spirit is capable of inhabiting a tree and giving it motion and causing it to hunger for flesh. The idea of using iron to calm the tree matches worldwide folklore about the use of iron in other cultures to quiet spirits and drive away fairies and monsters. And this also matches the idea that no particular species of tree could be identified as a pilimara because any tree could become one depending upon the local bad spirits. Now, I personally like this story because it's a glimpse into a different set of ideas about what paranormal is for a different country and a different culture. I don't remember anything like this ever being reported here in the States. Now, the next one I'm going to talk about is called The Devil's Snare. In the world of mysterious undiscovered plants and animal, surely one of the most bizarre corners is that of man-eating carnivorous plants. Throughout history, there have been tales of various trees, plants, and vines that seem to seek out human flesh, defying all that we think a plant should be. And one of the most frightening of those must be this vampiric, blood-drinking vine said to dwell in the deepest swamps of Nicaragua. The vine is referred to by the natives as the devil's snare, and it's described as being rather like an octopus in appearance. The, the plant was described by one naturalist by the name of Dr. Dunstan, who came face to face with this horrifying plant while spending two years studying the plants and animals in the region. Now, in his account, Dunstan claimed 
to have come across the plant while he was in a swamp region near Lake Nicaragua. He was collecting plant and insect specimens in the area and suddenly heard his dog let out a high-pitched whine of terror or pain or, or, or maybe even both. And he hurried to the source of the cries of this dog and found it was enveloped by a network of rope-like roots and fibers. These fibers were dark, nearly black in hue, and were covered with a thick gum that seemed to uh, exude from some sort of pore-like things on it. And this gum was reportedly extremely adhesive and had a foul animal-like older and the dog that was ensnared in this the, these tendrils was struggling with this fibrous network and was wailing like he was in a great deal of pain now once dunston was able to recover from this sight that he saw this gruesome sight before him he tried desperately to cut the dog free with his knife, but the vines were surprisingly difficult to cut. And to his horror, he found that the plant's rope-like tendrils actively wrapped and curled themselves around his hands like, like fingers. Now He was able to save his dog only after an enormous amount of effort put forth by him and he noticed that the grasping vines had left the skins of his hands red and blistered. He also noticed that his dog was bloodstained and covered in spots that seemed puckered like they had been sucked. And the dog, though still alive, was extremely disoriented and had a lot of difficulty walking. Dunstan told the natives about his encounter, and they explained to him that the vine was well-known and feared in the area and warned him to stay well away from that location. Of course, as you can imagine, he was undaunted, and he tried to collect more information on this bizarre vine, but he found it to be very difficult to approach or handle. However, through his observations, he apparently deduced where the plant's remarkable suction abilities derived from and how it fed. And this is what he said. The plant's power of suction is contained within a number of infinitesimal mouths or little suckers, which ordinary closed open for the reception of food. If the substance is animal, the blood is drawn off and the carcass or refuse, then dropped, a lump of raw meat being thrown into it. In the short space of five minutes, the blood will be thoroughly drunk off and the mass thrown aside. Its voracity is almost beyond belief. Now, Dunstan also described how the plant was extremely hard to get off once it latched on. It could only be pulled away with a great deal of effort and possibly lost skin as it tried to actively hang on. 
He eventually gave up his studies on this vampire vine, and very little else is known about it. Now, incidentally, another such supposed predatory vine was also reported in 1852 from the uh, uncharted rainforest of interior Africa. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And uh, there is, uh, according to uh, Beachcombing's Bizarre History blog, one newspaper report of the era described the bizarre plant and referred to it as a vegetable serpent. And this is what that report says. According to some Italian journals, a new organized being has been discovered in the interior of Africa, which seems to form an immediate link between vegetable and animal life. The singular production of nature has the shape of a spotted serpent. It drags itself along on the ground. Instead of a head, it has a flower shaped like a bell, which contains a viscous liquid. Flies and other insects, attracted by the smell of the juice, enter into the flower and are caught by the adhesive matter. The flower then closes and remains shut until the prisoners are bruised and transformed into chyle, or chyle, C-H-Y-L-E. The indigestible portions, such as the head and the wings, are thrown out by two spherical openings, the vegetable serpent has a skin resembling leaves, a white soft flesh, and instead of a bony skeleton, a cartilaginous frame filled with yellow marrow. The natives consider it a delicious food. I don't know that I would want to try to be eating that or not, but whatever. So it sounds to me like it's some sort of like walking Venus flytrap. But that's about where this report on this mysterious vine begins and ends. It's, that's, that's really about it. Now, Dunstan apparently eventually gave up his studies on this vampire vine he had found, and very little else is known about it either. Uh, it's left a very odd historical oddity lodged with this explorer's notes, and it's frustrating because it doesn't really give us any answers, it doesn't give us any further information, and it makes you wonder why he just give up on such a potentially groundbreaking discovery. So what did he encounter out there? Was this some kind of previously unknown, very aggressive, and very dangerous plant life? Or was it something else completely? What happened after this incident, and why has it faded into the mists of time? 
did any of it ever really happen in the first place? It seems, sadly, that we may never know for sure. This moves us to the number three on my list, the Yatibio. The Yatibio is a famous carnivorous tree found in South America with a more famous cousin. In J.W. Buell's Land and Sea, written in 1887, the Yatevio is said to catch and consume large insects, but also attempts to consume humans. The Yatevio is said to be a carnivorous plant that grows in parts of Central and South America with its cousins in Africa on the shores of the Indian Ocean. There are many different descriptions of the plant, but most reports say that it has a short, thick trunk and long, tender-like appendages which are used to catch its prey. Some even claim that it has an eye to locate its prey with. The natives feared it like like some sort of bad omen, and, and, and they thought it was actually an embodiment of evil and that it was uh, created by the magic of witch doctors. In 1881, there was an explorer named Carl... Oh, God, I'm so horrible with pronouncing names. Carl Leike, who uh, told the tale of this, this terrible tree, the Yativeo, that would feast upon... Uh, the uh, Madoko tribe of Madagascar. So this guy was German, and he gave a gruesome account of his encounter as the plant slobbered on a, a horse. And he says, slender, delicate palpi with the fury of starved serpents quivered a moment over her head then as if instinct with demonic intelligence fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms, then while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan, the tendrils one after another like great green serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapidity rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped about her in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey. That sounds gruesomely horrible. What a horrible way for that little filly to die. And that's all that we can find out about the Yativeo. That's all that I could find out about the Yativeo. So there's not a lot out there about it. But it seems to me, as this is the third one that I've talked about, and to me, this seems like it's the most brutal and nasty of the three, definitely one that I would want to stay far away from. So this brings us to the fourth on my list, something called the Neri Pond. The Neri Pond are cryptids native to Thailand's infamous and treacherous jungles. They resemble a combination of... Um, half-human-like hominid and half-plant creature. Due to lack of evidence, these specimens cannot be ruled as real or fake, much like the monks of Tibet not letting people collect samples of their possible Yeti scalp, right? 
So we don't know whether the Yeti scalp is real or not, and we don't know whether the Naripon is real or not. But according to Buddhist mythology, the god Indra created a pavilion as an abode for Vesasantra, his wife and his two children to live, and his wife went into the forest to collect fruits. However, she was in danger of being attacked by hermits or yogis who lived in the forest. And although they, they had acquired special powers from their meditation, they had not conquered lust. Therefore, Indra created 12 of these special Naripan trees. The trees would bear fruit whenever she went out to collect food and distract the men. The fruits were all in the image of Andra's beautiful wife, and the men took the fruits to their their homes and made love to them. And after this took place, they would sleep for four months and lose their powers. So, who? I don't know. In my life right now, sleeping for four months sounds like something out of heaven because I have been struggling with my sweet sleep-wake cycle. And, I mean, I wake up thinking about, oh, God, when, when can I go back to bed? You know, it's, it's, it's been horrible for me the last year or so with my sleep-wake cycle, but I'm hoping to get that corrected now. But anyway, so the Nary Pond is basically from myth and folklore that's native to Thailand. And the whole reason for their existence is so the wife of Indra could go out and gather food and fruit and not be afraid of getting attacked by the local yogis who had not been able to conquer their lust for the flesh. And I'm not talking about eating flesh. I'm talking about, you know, carnal knowledge type stuff here. So this one, I'll have to say, out of the four that I've talked about, this one is the one that I would say probably does not exist because we don't have anything other than just this story from the myth and folklore legends from Thailand. So there's no firsthand accounts of anyone uh, uh, encountering an airy pond or eating the fruits, making love to the fruit, which just sounds so weird. I never thought that I would ever in my life utter that statement. So this is probably of the everything that I've talked about up until now, this is probably the one that I don't have to say is, eh, it's on the list, but it's probably not true. It's probably, probably that one doesn't exist. Which brings us to my fifth and final plant in this episode about cryptobotany. It's called the Lamb of Tartary. The Lamb of Tartary, also known as the Vegetable Lamb of Tartary, the Scythian lamb and the Boromits, the Baromets, or Boromets, Angus Scythicus, or Planta Tarica, or simply Vegetable Lamb, is a legendary cryptid from Central 
Asia, it was believed to grow sheep in the same manner that a tree grows fruit, which were connected to the plant by an umbilical cord. Yes, that's right. It grew sheep, and they were attached to it by a cord. Now, there was actually a book written about this by a man named Henry Lee. And this book was called The Vegetable Lamb of Tartary, and it was written in 1887. And the author describes the legendary lamb as both a true animal and a living plant. However, he states that some writers believed the lamb to be the fruit of the plant, sprouting forward from melon-like seeds. Others believed the lamb to be a living member of the plant uh, that would perish if it was separated from it. The vegetable lamb was believed to have blood, bones, and flesh just like that of a normal lamb. However, later in the 16th century, the lamb of Tartary was believed to have authentic blood and bones, but not true flesh. So it was connected to the earth by a stem, similar to an umbilical cord, and that propped the lamb up above ground, and the stem could flex downward, allowing the lamb to feed on the grass and the plants that were surrounding it. And once the plants within reach were eaten, the lamb died. Then, after it died, it became edible, and its blood supposedly tasted sweet like honey. Its wool was said to be used by the native people of its homeland to make head coverings and other articles of clothing. The only carnivorous animals attracted to the lamb plant, other than humans, were wolves. Now, there's a similar creature that appears early uh, in the Jewish folklore tales called the Yedua. It appeared to be a lamb, but it sprouted from a stem rising from the earth. And the only way to kill this Yedua was to sever the connection between the lamb and the stem. And thereafter, the bones of the Yedua could be used during prophetic ceremonies. In some versions of the tale, the lamb plant is highly aggressive and it snatches up uh, anybody that it can reach. And these tales of Jewish folklore could be the origin of the Lamb of Tartary. Now, it is possible that the Lamb of Tartary could be based on uh, Sabotium foramets, a plant whose woolly rhizome, once its leaves are removed and it's turned upside down, resembles a lamb. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. That is attached to the plant. The other possible explanation for this cryptid is that when Lee wrote his book, they only knew of about wool and not about cotton. 
So what they're thinking is that wool can only come from sheep. Sheep is where wool comes from. So it's possible that this cryptid is just a fanciful rendition of a cotton plant used to explain the production of cotton in the Middle Ages because cotton kind of resembles wool, right? Right, but, but white. But you can't get wool from a plant. Wool can only come from sheep. It must come from sheep. So maybe it's them trying to come up with an explanation for cotton, which does sound plausible in my opinion. Well, everybody, that does it for tonight's episode. What do you think about these cryptobotanic creatures? Are they real or simply legends? I'm skeptical about their existence, but I'm going to keep my mind open to the idea. I have to admit that cryptobotany is a completely new subject for me, but I do find it fascinating, and that surprises me because I took a botany class in college, and I absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. But then again, we never discussed anything as interesting as what I've talked about tonight. So do you have anything to add to what I've told you tonight? Maybe you know of some other cryptobotanics that I've never heard of. If so, email me and let me know what they are. If you've had an encounter with one of these creatures and want to tell me about it, I'd love to hear it. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. So, you know something about these things that I don't? You got a question? Maybe I can answer it. I don't know. You got a comment about tonight's show? You think it's just completely stupid? Is there more information that you'd like for me to try to find out for you? Send me an email Sandman at parareality.com. So like I said, that about does it for tonight. Thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this crypto botanic episode of Parareality. If you want to leave a comment about it or anything else about the podcast, the podcast, here are all the different ways that you can get in touch with me. I promise you at the top of the hour that I'd let you know how you can get in touch with me. So here they are. There are several different ways to do it. Get your pen and paper ready because here we go. Of course, I've been saying all night, the quickest, best, easiest way to get in t- contact with me is to email the show, sandman at parareality.com. Or if you just want to do my social media accounts, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash sandman.parareality or you can just go to Facebook and look up Parareality Podcast. You can post a message on my wall, my Facebook wall, or you can slide right into my DMs there on Facebook. Um, it's really easy to find me, facebook.com slash sandman.parareality. Like I said, you can just get on Facebook and do a search for the Parareality Podcast. Now, if you've got Twitter or Instagram, you can follow me on both of those. My username is the same for each, at Radio. That's at Radio. You can always uh, tweet me or send me a DM there on Twitter or on Instagram. 
You can follow me on both of those accounts, same handle, at Parareal Radio. And finally, you can always call the podcast at 615-692-1170. That's the direct line to the secret bunker. Call that and leave me a message on the studio line. But I want you to remember this. If you call and if you decide to leave me a message, you're giving me permission to play your comment back on the podcast. So if you do not want that to happen, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. I'm always looking for interesting stories for the podcast. So if you have a story that you'd like to get on the show, tell it to me on the voicemail if you want to. There's about a three-minute time limit on the voicemail. So if you get cut off, if you run out of time, call back and pick up where you left off. That number, once again, is 615-692-1170. Don't forget to visit my website, parareality.com. That's a place where you can keep up with all the latest paranormal news from all around the world. I've got an entire page of the website devoted to paranormal news, and the content is updated almost daily. It's on the Paranews tab there on the website. And while you're there, you can also shop in the Parareality store, watch some of the terrible videos that I have personally myself made for the podcast over the years. Some of them are absolutely horrible, but I have them up there for your viewing pleasure. Please feel free to make fun of them. I know they suck. It's okay. I don't mind for you to make fun of it. I. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast archives there too. I got a ton of audio on the website from the various incarnations of Parareality throughout the years, along with some other podcasts that I have done in the past, set it off and scared to death. You can find all of that content for free on the archives section of the website. That's parareality.com. Make sure you check it out. Parareality can be heard on your favorite podcast station. Just search for Parareality Podcast. If you've got a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you've got any of the already mentioned podcast skills on your device, just say, hey, play the Parareality Podcast. And let's also not forget about my YouTube account. You can listen to the podcast there too. I've got a lot of people who actually listen to the podcast off of YouTube. Sometimes I'll do a video of me here in the studio um, uh, doing a podcast episode. Uh, but what I always do is upload all of the audio content to my YouTube page, and I have a lot of people who actually listen to the podcast from YouTube. So uh, you, can, you can go to youtube.com slash user slash parareality1. That's the number one, and you can find my YouTube account, or you just do a YouTube search for Parareality, and that's P-A-R-A-R-E-A-L-I-T-Y. So uh, I've got a lot of uh, videos on my YouTube account, not just audio. I've got some of those horrible videos that I made for the podcast over the years, plus I've got uh, some UFO and paranormal documentaries on there. Uh, I got a, you know, they're, they're pretty good. It's not stuff that I've done. It's just stuff that that's uh, that I have found or videos or documentaries that I own that's kind of rare and uh, kind of hard to find. So they're out there on Parareality's uh, YouTube page. That's www.youtube.com slash user slash Parareality1. 
one so you can see and hear all the stuff related to parareality. And speaking of um, videos and stuff like that, uh, last podcast I made the announcement about the Weird News Network, which is a TV show that I had been asked to co-host. Um, originally, it was supposed to be on um, Amazon Fire and Roku and all that sorts of stuff. Uh, there's been some, of course, as you can guess, some technical difficulties with getting it up there. So I might have been a little bit premature with announcing that it was on Roku and Amazon Fire. But um, you can get it definitely on Vimeo if you have a Vimeo account. Just uh, log into your Vimeo account and search Weird News Network. Weird News Network is part of Nashville Country Television, which is a streaming-only television service. We are looking to get it on Amazon and Roku as soon as we get all the, the bugs ironed out of the system. So if you have Amazon Fire or if you have Roku, um, you'll be able, hopefully, really, really soon to get it on there. Um, you can go to uh, Nashville. You can search Nashville Country TV on your uh, web browser, your Google search or whatever preferred search you, you use. And uh, you can find the website out there. And you can. there's supposedly an app that you can download that you can get all of the uh, content for Nashville Country Television. And with a name like Nashville Country Television, you can imagine it's not all paranormal stuff. That's just a weird news network. I think it's like a one-off show that they decided because everybody's doing paranormal stuff, so they decided they needed their own paranormal show. So here we are, Weird News Network on Nashville Country Television. And uh, if you don't know what Weird News Network is, let me tell you, it's just when you probably don't, right? All it is is uh, you've heard of uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Um, you've heard of um, The Proof is Out There. It's kind of like uh, it's more akin to The Proof is Out There. We take videos that uh, we find on the Internet or maybe even some that have been sent to us, and we kind of dissect them, break them down, discuss them, and make a decision whether or not that's actually something that's paranormal in nature or not. We do have the first episode up and running on Vimeo right now, so if you have a Vimeo account, log into it and do a search for Weird News Network. Everybody, the next episode of Parareality will drop on October 21st at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. I'm going to be doing the second part of this series on crypto botanics. And this one is going to be more on actual creatures a la Swamp Thing type stuff. I don't know how else to describe it. It's going to be very interesting, I think. So I hope that you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope that this podcast opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change... You must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening, it's always appreciated if you'd give me 
a review, rate the podcast. Rating the podcast helps it get out there. And the better you rate it, and the more often you rate it, the higher we get in search engines, and the more visible this podcast becomes. Now, I'm not so stupid as to think that this podcast is going to be my sole form of income. I would love for it to be, but I know that it's not going to be. I'm not trying to be um, something like that. But I would like for as many people as possible to know about Parareality, and I would like for uh, Parareality to get some good four- and five-star ratings. So please, if you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform you're listening on, please give me a, a good four- or five-star rating so that I can help, you can help spread the word about your favorite paranormal podcast, Parareality. Everybody, I hope you have a wonderful evening, a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you again on October 21st. Good night, everybody. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.